Emma, would we ever listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore? No, we wouldn't, would we, baby girl? <laughs> the following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, episode 636 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. <laughs> ah, thanks for joining us, everybody. I am Jesse Dollamore. Here is Brittany Page. You know, it's really coming together in here. <laughs> Are you talking about what we've done to the studio or how I just cannot seem to get my shit together? I'm talking about what we've done to the studio oh, right? because we got an extra bookcase thing we had a ton of extra wait, wait, wait. is it a bookcase or is it a bookcase thing well it's one of those uh, cubby things where you can put books on it or you can buy cubby bins and put the cubby bins cubby into the bins. cubby bookshelf yes all right and that's what they're called okay yeah. if you want to buy them that's what they're called so don't judge me it's an organizing shelf type thing that you can put books on correct and i it, would just call it a bookshelf and it looked like a mess around here with all the extra books lying around you know kelly from new england sent us a giant box filled with yeah. books and there were maybe there were I think over 20 books in that box. Yeah. Around 20, yeah. 20 or more. 15 to 20 is what yeah. I thought. And so... Kelly will certainly call in to correct <laughs> us. Yeah. And we also, we wanted to have a place to put things and have them prominently featured that listeners have sent to us. We have a um, an award, our first award before the best of oc weekly best Rainer, podcast pennsylvania right? yeah and then we have dolls that brenna right here in orange county uh crocheted for us is yeah. that crocheting i think so <laughs> some sort of fancy crafty craft craft town and crafty craft town. uh we also have an inappropriate uh knitting thing is that needle point yeah. or is that we are we are not crafty people <laughs> i don't we don't even know what fucking words to use yeah yeah it's headphones over the word cunt and above that hashtag smart laid yeah and it's a listener gift i'm not gonna not say what it is yeah term of endearment and that one's from amy in memphis yeah so what we wanted to do is when people come into studio to do interviews because we want to start doing more of that now yeah that it's not a fucking mess in here yeah we're also going to be doing some filming in here now mm -hmm. once a month or so right post one of these episodes to to, to youtube right well we, we want it to be uh presentable right we have a, a bottle of booze that we received from jartan in or bob bob in sweden and then we also have a bottle from nikki in the netherlands and she sent that to us oh that bottle has to be i don't know 
four or five years old yeah. at this point. Yeah, 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 for sure. And we drank it very quickly. You. M- more me than you. You drank it. Delicious, delicious. Uh, I don't know how to say that. It's a Netherlands word. <laughs> I think it's called Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> And <laughs> a very fancy, there's a lot of words in it. I mean, a lot of letters in it. A lot it's really, of, it's really is, late right now. That is right. Yeah. <laughs> I promise I'm not drunk. Um, you, you didn't just drink the bottle. No, I didn't. I didn't a long time ago. But the point is, we have accumulated all of these things over the years. We hold on to years. things. It's, yeah. it's keepsakes. It, they're mementos from, from, from the listeners. We, we feel that love and, you know, we want to... We want we cherish those things. We can look back and remember those moments. Yeah, and we have a, a pet raccoon up there as well, <laughs> like a raccoon beanie, beanie baby. Uh, <laughs> so you know, we we love the things that are sent to us, and we we appreciate you guys doing that. Uh, we do have the Thanksgiving episode coming up this week. It is going to be Thanksgiving, and we hope that you enjoy that holiday in whatever way that you see fit. Be safe out there if you're traveling. We're yes. not traveling. You're actually, Brittany's working. Yeah, I'll be on, at work. On the Thanksgiving. Yep. I'm not a not a traveling guy. Well, it's supposed to be the biggest travel day since 2005. Mm. Yeah. No air, go. Are you ready for this? Air travel will hit a record 31.6 million passengers. On that day? Yes. Oh, man. And. No, no fucking thank you. The average price of the ticket that was paid for this travel. Oh, let me guess. Okay. $481. Stop it. Are you? No, no shut up. No, What it? What happened here? Did you? What is the amount? No, I'm telling you right now, I'm pissed off. Did you go and look at this <laughs> before we talked about it? Did I, you go look this up? I didn't know you had an article. I am so unhappy What's right now. What's the amount? 491. Oh, wow. Yeah, what the hell? Wow. Price is right over here. I need to get on that goddamn show. No, you don't. It's a horrible experience. Okay. $491. Yes. I mean, let's it, set aside how unbelievably close I was. Unbelievable, seriously. Um, <laughs> pure luck right there. Pure luck if you didn't cheat and look this up. Four ninety one. Quit putting that out there in the universe. Four ninety one per ticket, up from four seventy eight last year. So the price obviously increased. I must have had my my numbers from last year. That was three dollars off last year. So yeah. Well, and you love this. The current for- forecast is that the aircraft will be eighty seven point six percent full, the highest level in a decade. Hmm. And traffic on the highways will be. Um, obviously not great. That's what I was saying. Be safe out there. I wasn't even thinking about air travel. 18% of travelers will drive alone this year, up from 15% last year. There's already the f- picture of the 405 in West LA yeah, on Twitter going that was viral. Like from Christmas time. There's a new goddamn. one. There's a new one. It's going viral because the travel has already begun. Uh, and it's the red brake lights and then the, the, white, the white headlights. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No good. Mm-hmm. And also be safe out there when you're in the kitchen. Yes. Cutting your hands open because you don't have good knife skills. All of that. <laughs> Frying your turkey. Drinking while you're cooking, which is a fantastic time. Mm-hmm. However, be fucking careful. Yeah. And seriously, you don't want to gash your hand open and end up in the emergency room. I mean, it could cause serious permanent damage, but also 
That's a miserable fucking time. It really is. So if you find yourself traveling through, though, the New Orleans airport, be sure that you check out those toilets because, boy, are they fantastic. Very sanitary. All kinds of new technology. Also, make sure they don't lose your bag. Do we even talk about that? That they lost our fucking bag on the way back? Yeah, it's the first time that that has ever happened to me. And it was not great. It was not great. It was the, not. Uh, the whole plane. The whole plane, essentially. Oh, yeah. They, the, whole, the whole plane. There was like... Yeah. No, I think it was the whole fucking plane. We flew back from New Orleans, and it was the first day that the airport had opened, for those of you who yeah, maybe remember, are just starting to we listen. We flew in on a Friday night... We flew out on a Thursday, like the day before we flew out, they opened a brand new airport. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so they hadn't figured things out yet, Clearly. especially related to the bags. So they didn't put like any of the bags on the airplane. And we actually were delayed from taking off an hour. And they claimed that it was because they were trying to sort out the bags and get the bags yeah, on the plane. The bags looked like a shit show when we showed up. Oh, it was a disaster, a complete disaster. But anyway, we got it the next day. It wasn't a big deal. They figured it out. But a lot of people were very, very upset. Some dude, clearly a, a New Orleans local, Louisiana local, was announcing to the Los Angeles baggage claim mm -hmm. that we have John Bell Edwards to thank for this. Y'all, we knew we didn't need a new airport. Fucking Hillbilly McGee over here <laughs> on his campaign stump to oh the LA audience. God. Yeah. Goddamn. Yeah. Well, and apparently people did want that new airport because John Bell Edwards, <laughs> he won. He won. He's the winner. Speaking of winners, Brittany, mm. we like to have this be the... the modus operandi of the show, if that's what it is. Mm -hmm. The... We like to, to correct ourselves when wrong. Yeah. Last episode, we brought up, and by we, I mean you, <laughs> we were talking about Jeff How Bezos. How dare you? How dare you? It's like the reverse tooting of the horn. <laughs> so oh we, we somehow got on the fact that Jeff Bezos has done some charitable work. It's not somehow. We always give an informed consent lecture about oh, right. using the dollamore.com slash Amazon that's link right. to shop on Amazon so that you know going into that that you are you're creating be more wealth yeah, for you're Jeff be Bezos. Enriching an asshole like Jeff Bezos while at the same time very, very minorly enriching us. Yes, yes. And also potentially ruining many people's lives that have to get things to you in a hurry. Well, you know, inconvenience. I don't want ruining their lives. Tell that to all the ProPublica articles about people getting into crashes and people dying on all the right, warehouse floor. All right, let me floor. write myself a note here. Tell that to the ProPublica articles. Yeah. I'll get right on that. Okay. So anyway, um, <laughs> without further ado, what is the correction that we want to announce to the audience? What a dick. Um, me or Jeff Bezos? Anyone. Just choose <laughs> one of those options. So I didn't go into details about this so i don't think it necessarily is a correction but we're going to give more. all right never mind then we're going to give Moving more on. no 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 we're going to give more context <laughs> for what was said because yes he donated money to charity okay but it wasn't just like cutting a check to charity yeah it's not the end of the story yeah and let's just highlight an example in central florida Okay, this was an article that ran the Orlando Sentinel, and according to this article, 
Jeff Bezos is giving $5.25 million to a Central Florida nonprofit, okay, with the goal of housing homeless families over the next five years. Okay, and this is according to an announcement from that charity. That on its face is great news. Right. That, now, that is philanthropy. Now, <laughs> we're going to get into how it's a little bit more complicated than that. Okay. The money actually comes in the form of Amazon stock. <laughs> All right. Things are starting to be a little bit more grim. Okay. From Jeff Bezos's day one families fund. Okay. From his own charitable fund. Oh, yeah. And goes to the Homeless Services Network of Central Florida, which received the largest award among the 32 nonprofits that he chose, okay, for his various donations. Yeah. Because I think they totaled around like 99 million or something like that. Oh, 99 million? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's less than a tenth of one of his 110 billion, (laughs) which is, uh, I mean, come on. Yeah. Okay. He's got $110,000 million and he gave $99 million. So there are some restrictions placed on the gift as well. All right. They, the money is supposed to only go for the, quote, literally homeless. The money cannot be used to help families living in motel rooms, for example. Which I would consider that is a degree of homeless. Absolutely, that is homeless. People that are living in motel rooms, that is a step before being out on the street. Think about families who have children who go to school, who live, and obviously, they're not staying at the fucking Sheraton, folks. Mm -hmm. They don't have a room down at the Doubletree. Right. It's a a motel. Yeah, no free lobby cookies for you. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Well, and I also wonder if this extends toward people living in their cars, because that's becoming more common as well. People who live in their cars and certain parking lots open up at night to have people drive in and then they sleep there for the night and then they have to leave by a certain time. Yeah. That is also homelessness. So (laughs) it's just a weird restriction to place on your charitable. Yeah, If you're checking a box, you're like, oh. Oh, you're miserable. Uh, Let me look here. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't quite meet the miserable metric. You Mm -hmm. have to be 10% more miserable for us to give you money and assistance. Yeah. So here's the next thing that was (laughs) not great. Homeless (laughs) Services Network. Hang on. I would like to to have that repeated. Here is the next thing that is (laughs) uh, not great. Yeah. They homeless services network will need to manage the stock over the next five years to maximize its value. So there's, there's work involved. Yeah. Not only Mm -hmm. we're going to give you (laughs) not cash, not money. Mm -hmm. We're going to give you Amazon stock that comes with the obligation to manage that wealth. Thus paying some kind of a hedge fund manager, paying some kind of account finance guy, a percentage a commission every time he deals with it, therefore enriching someone who's already wildly wealthy and in the top 1%. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. What they should, if they're going to do that, they should require whoever manages this money to also be given a percentage of their commission to charity or waive their commission altogether. So it is a charitable run the whole way around. 
So we wanted to clarify this. I wanted to clarify this because once I started reading more about it, I thought to myself, oh my God, on the show, yeah, <laughs> I vaguely said something about Jeff Bezos deserving props or not deserving props, but like I gave him a shout out for this headline. And really the moral of that story is also don't be a lazy ass and read the article. Don't just read the headline. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. But it's true. For sure. How how much was I freaking out when I read this article and I came to you and I'm like, oh my God, I cannot believe I said this on the show. We were driving in the car. Yeah. On the way to an Ikea. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you were beside yourself. You really were very bothered. Yeah. Well, part of that is because we both feel such a responsibility on this show to be factual with what we say, be very reasonable and and speak the truth. And so when I just flippantly said something about the headline that I saw. It, so it, so it, here's here's the beef I have. Yeah. I put this on the audience. Well, why didn't they call us out? It's their fault. It's not our <laughs> fault. <laughs> wow. No, really, we, I mean, I'm obviously making a joke there, but we, we do, we do want to tell the truth here. We, I mean, tell the truth. We want to present the facts. And if we get something wrong, that's why we encourage people to call in and say, hey, wrong. You guys were wrong about that. Yeah. Correct the record. Mm -hmm. We encourage that. For sure. Speaking of encouragement of that, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone with your correction to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Grace. Grace. And Aaron. Aaron. We want to say that we've had a few people drop off of Patreon in the past couple of days. And in the exit surveys, they've talked about being financially strapped. And we just want to say that if you are in that position... And not even if you're a Patreon supporter right now, but just generally speaking, if that is your position, please know that we're never trying to pressure you yeah. to support us. Because anytime someone messages us and says, this is what I'm going through. Sorry, guys. I'd love to be a Patreon supporter, but... Right. We appreciate those messages, but we really don't want you to feel guilty never. for not being able to support us. F further, yeah. if you're a Patreon supporter right now and it's a struggle for you, cancel Patreon. Yeah, we want you to take care of yourself. Yes. Ensure that all of your and your family's needs are met. And if the spirit moves you, if you feel what we do is important and you want to support us, then please do. But if it puts you in a difficult spot, please know that we're never talking to you. Listen, I know, and I know Brittany knows what it's like to have an extra five bucks a month be oh yeah critical everything. sometimes everything yeah I have been in my life there have been several times mm -hmm. where I'm scrounging for change yeah to ensure I have enough gas in my gas tank yeah mm -hmm. and so I'm not fucking kidding yeah I mean this Patreon plug turned into a hey turn off your Patreon <laughs> and that's fucking <laughs> fine I'm sorry if it is 
a struggle for you. Yeah. If it is strenuously financial, if it's not an overabundance, we don't want to be budgeted in. Yeah. We want it to be you have extra and hey, yeah, rather than get a coffee, I'm going to I'm going to support I doubt it with dollar more. Right. And I'm being very serious about that. Yeah. We love you guys. We appreciate you. And it's it's amazing. All right. Moving on. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So who cares at this point, but we're going to talk about the debate. <laughs> no, I care because these three clips we have prepared here yeah. are fucking fantastic. Yeah, we chose only three clips because we feel like it's the these are the only clips that really mattered. And listen, the only ones that roused me from my slumber. Yeah, with <laughs> well, with the impeachment. What was that? Something just interesting just happened with the impeachment inquiry hearings going on. And the debate. I mean, it's just difficult to keep up with everything. Only have so much bandwidth. It's very much information overload at this point. So we totally understand if you start to tune things out. But if you didn't watch the debate and you've been waiting to hear some sort of summary from it. So I, I think what you're saying is if you don't have enough money, cancel Patreon. And if you, <laughs> you don't have enough attention, then yeah, it's okay that you didn't watch the debate. Yeah, I'm just giving a lot of people permission to, <laughs> to do t- what's necessary for That's them right. to stay healthy. Hey, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Anyway, we are going to start with Cory Booker and Joe Biden because, as many of you may know, or maybe you don't, Joe Biden was recently asked at a town hall event about his position on legalizing marijuana. And not shockingly... He has the same position as those in the 1950s and like uh, Jeff Sessions. He actually talked about it being a gateway drug. Yeah. So Cory Booker took this opportunity during the debate to call him out for his stance on legalizing marijuana. I wanted to return back to this issue of of black voters. I I have a lifetime of experience with black voters. I've been one since I was 18. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody on this stage should need a focus group to hear from African-American voters. Uh, black voters are pissed off and they're worried. They're pissed off because the only time our issues seem to be really paid attention to by politicians is when people are looking for their vote. And they're worried because the Democratic Party, we don't want to see people miss this opportunity and lose because we are nominating someone that doesn't, isn't trusted, doesn't have authentic connection. And so that's what's on the ballot. And issues do matter. I, I have a lot of respect uh, for, for the vice president. He has uh, swore me into my office as a hero. This week, I hear him literally say that I don't think we should legalize marijuana. I, 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 I thought you might have been high when you said it. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, because, because marijuana, marijuana, marijuana in our country is already legal for privileged people. And it's one, the war on drugs has been a war on black and brown people. With more African-Americans under criminal supervision in America than all the slaves since 1850, do not roll up into communities and not talk directly to issues that are going to relate to the liberation of children. Because there are people in Congress right now that admit to smoking marijuana. 
while there are people, our kids are in jail right now for those drug crimes. And so these are the kind of issues that mean a lot to our community. And if we don't have somebody authentically, we lost the last election. Let me just give you this data example. We lost in in Wisconsin because of a massive diminution, a lot of reasons, but there was a massive diminution in the African-American vote. We need to have someone that can inspire, as Kamala said, to inspire African-Americans to the polls at record numbers. Thank you, Senator Booker. Vice President Biden, you can respond to that. I'll be very brief. Number one, I think we should decriminalize marijuana, period. And I think everyone, anyone who has a record should be let out of jail. Their records expunged. It be completely zeroed out. But I do think it makes sense, based on data, that we should study what the long-term effects are for the use of marijuana. That's all it is. Number one, everybody gets out. Record expunged. Secondly, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm part of that that Obama coalition. I come out of the black community in terms of my support. If you notice, I have more people supporting me in the black community that announced for me because they know me. They know who I am. Three former chairs of the Black Caucus, the only African-American woman that ever been elected to the United States Senate. A whole range of people. No, my point no, is, that's not true. true. The other that's one is true. here. <laughs> So my point is, my point is, one of the reasons I was picked to be vice president was because of my relationship, long-standing relationship with the black community. I was part of that coalition. So a lot going on there. Yes. Let me follow up, though, because Joe Biden is now saying that. It is not a gateway drug. And originally his phrasing, and this is kind of the thing politicians do, right? He said, there is not nearly enough evidence as to whether or not it is a gateway drug. That's what he said originally. That's what Cory Booker's commenting on. And now he is saying, he said this. You need to prove a negative before I'm able to make a decision about this that is, uh, you know, in a modern time. He said this evidently today on a conference call with reporters, quote, I don't think it is a gateway drug. There is no evidence I've seen to suggest that. So in a matter of days, we've gone from we don't have enough evidence, right? There is not nearly enough evidence as to whether or not it is a gateway drug to I don't think it's a gateway drug. There's no evidence I've seen to suggest that. Did someone do a search of peer-reviewed literature and serve it to Joe Biden? Yeah. He's just been devouring oh, the research yeah. articles over yeah. the past few days. And now he's like, okay, didn't find any evidence for it, guys. We're good. Yeah, Joe Biden seems like a voracious <laughs> reader of scientific research. Yeah. So there's a few things that, that kind of struck me here. And I realize that there is technically a difference between legalization and decriminalization. But when you go from decriminalization to letting anybody off who was arrested, expunging the records even, Mm -hmm. that goes beyond just decriminalizing. That is effectively legalizing marijuana. And the states where there has been, sorry, I heard the, the breathing, getting ready to talk. Mm-hmm. But the states in which it has been medically legal, which, come on, let's let's all be fucking adults about this. The states where it's medically legal wasn't a bunch of glaucoma patients and cancer patients smoking the weed and getting legitimate prescriptions. Of course, that was happening. But it was, oh, doc, my back, y'all. 
Oh, my headache. Oh, my insomnia. Oh, here's a prescription. I can smoke weed legally now. Largely, that's what it was. Of course, there were legitimate cases of of serious medical issues that were helped Mm -hmm. by my marijuana prescriptions. Mm -hmm. But we haven't seen some outlandish spike in addiction levels when that was the case. We haven't seen society crumbling around us because pot was legalized whether it be medical or just straight up straight up legal that just hasn't happened and to take that stance is kind of fucking dumb well i think a lot of times when joe biden talks he's just kind of throwing everything out there stumbling through what he's saying and hoping something sticks hoping it resonates with someone yeah because he said number one and then he spoke for a minute and then he's like number one again you know like we 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 heard that but i i do want to say it's unfortunate that the the discussion surrounding marijuana is either it is a miracle plant vitamin mineral that solves all problems or it it, is not that or it is the gateway drug you smoke it and now you're a heroin addict it is not it's very frustrating to have that be the two dominant sides of the discourse because there's there's a middle ground there right where you can acknowledge the medical benefits associated with smoking moderate amounts of marijuana for certain things and then you can also acknowledge the risks that are that are posed there yeah like the fact the fucking fact potheads it is addictive marijuana is absolutely 100 percent addictive just like any other substance that is addictive not to everyone because not everyone is an addict but people are treated for marijuana addiction people actually have side effects when they stop smoking weed which to me seems tantamount to something that is an addictive substance and i i do these groups with the youth at the mental hospital that i work at all the time and this comes up all the time and being in california (laughs) it's the worst (laughs) it's a different kind of situation here where they are raised with a different idea about marijuana because it's legal and it's so prevalent the use is so prevalent and and so it's very difficult trying to explain the the risks that are posed there but sometimes it's not that difficult because kids come in with marijuana induced psychosis and sometimes they they see that or they themselves are experiencing that so so sometimes again, again hang on i want to back up for the for, for the weed people in the audience mm-hmm. that's not to say it shouldn't be legal it should be legal there are risks that should be we should be honest about though right right we don't have to pretend there are benefits and there are fucking bummers about it right yeah in fact i would say weed is better than alcohol because what are the benefits of alcohol I mean, yeah, a glass of wine a day, you know, a couple of blah, blah, blah. I mean, who even knows about that, though? Yeah, given... but, so what I'm saying is there are dramatic drawbacks to alcohol. You don't have like medical like, oh, you have glaucoma. Oh, drink a fifth of whiskey. Drink mm-hmm. several glasses of whiskey, whatever. Mm-hmm. Feel the effects of, of, of intoxication wave over you from alcohol. Mm-hmm. That's not a prescription. There is legitimate medical benefits to smoking weed. 
But it's fucking dumb. Sorry. It is fucking dumb to ignore the fact that there are also drawbacks. Anyway, now I'm on my soapbox, so. Yeah, and I this is something that I've really had to come around on through my education because because of my upbringing, I became very anti-drugs. Yeah. Very anti-drugs. So much so that I didn't take my prescription pills when I got my wisdom teeth out. I refused to pump my morphine pump in the hospital when I got my appendix removed and I didn't take my meds after I got out of the hospital. Like I was very, I was very staunch about not using anything because I was terrified because of my genes. You're also in pain to be an addict. (laughs) And I was also in a lot of pain, (laughs) a lot of pain, not a fun time, but I, I was very afraid. Yeah. And, and so I, I have my lifelong best friend who used to joke that I would agree with everything in this marijuana propaganda film, Reefer Madness. <laughs> and that that used to be my stance, right? But through my education and learning about reality, I, I came around to understand that that wasn't reasonable and that was a protective mechanism for myself yeah. to keep myself on the right track. And that's all it was. It wasn't reality. It was a protective mechanism for me. And I had to come around to understanding the realistic point of view. So it frustrates me when I hear these conversations because I feel like a little bit more of that can be injected into it, right? An understanding of the personal biases that we're bringing to the table when we look at this information and trying to adjust that a little bit to be more reasonable. So the other thing, Mm -hmm. quickly before we really spent a lot of time on this one clip, the other thing is his... He's very comfortable about aligning himself to the black community, which fucking listen, Joe Biden or Joe Biden surrogates. If you're out there within the sound of my voice, just because you were vice president of the United States to the first black president of the United States doesn't mean some of that rubbed off on you, brother. That's not how it works for Joe Biden to say. I came out of the black community, dot, 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 in terms of support. Whatever the fuck that means. Honestly, what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? Listen, I just want everybody to know I came out of the black community in terms of support. (laughs) What are you even talking about, Uncle Joe? Yeah. And then the only black woman elected to the Senate endorsed me. He's, of course, referring to Carol Mosley Braun. Of Illinois, who was the first black woman elected to the United States Senate, mm-hmm. but certainly not the only, uh-huh. which is what he said. Yeah. And that's when why you have I... Kamala Harris standing right there. Yeah. Black lady, mm-hmm. senator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she really, it's pretty great because she's almost like shrugging like, what? Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. I'm right here. She's uh, behaving exactly how Maya Rudolph portrays her on SNL. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, mm-hmm. I'm glad she's she's getting some SNL time. They have to bring back a lot of the old cast for these these new political cold opens. Well, they've got a fucking lo- bunch of lightweights over there on the on the cast today. Oh, I dear. Mean, other than... Uh, Kate McKinnon. Other than Kate McKinnon. Who's really holding down the fort over there. She does everybody. Yeah. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> so anyway, let's get on to these other two clips. And they do involve... Tulsi Gabbard. A person you don't love to talk about. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. But 
she stepped on her dick so badly here that I think that it's it's worthy of talking about. But I really think a conversation needs to be had about what do these what do these what do these other candidates, these people running for president of the United States, what what benefit do they have to draw attention to the fact that she's on the stage? Just let her fade away. Let her go away. You don't need to to mix it up with Tulsi. She's a nutter. She's not legitimate. She's a fringe candidate who spent the entire debate shitting on the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. shitting on past leaders, shitting on current leaders of the party. Like yeah. she's some righteous candidate all on her own, which only states to me that she's likely setting herself up for the possibility of an independent run for president. Right. So we're going to play her in exchange with Kamala Harris and her exchange with Pete Buttigieg. First, Buttigieg on uh, whether or not they don't have enough experience, either of them. But I want to get back to Pete Buttigieg and his comment about experience. Uh, I, Pete, you'll agree that uh, the service that we both have provided to our country as veterans by itself does not qualify us to serve as commander in chief. I think the most recent example of your inexperience in national security and foreign policy came from your recent careless statement about how you as president be willing to send our troops to Mexico to fight the cartels. As commander in chief, leader of our armed forces, I bring extensive experience serving for seven years in Congress on the Foreign Affairs Committee, on the Armed Services Committee, on the Homeland Security Committee, meeting with leaders of of, uh, countries around the world, working with military commanders of different commands, uh, dealing with high-level national security briefings, understanding what's necessary, the preparation that I've gotten to walk in on day one to serve as Commander-in-Chief. Congresswoman, thank you. Mr. Mayor, I'll allow you to respond. I know that it's par for the course in Washington to take remarks out of context, but that is outlandish even by the standards of today's politics. Are are you saying that you didn't say that? I was talking about U.S.-Mexico cooperation. We've been doing security cooperation with Mexico for years with law enforcement cooperation and a military relationship that could continue to be developed with training relationships, for example. Do you seriously think anybody on this stage is proposing invading Mexico? That, that's not I'm what talking I said. About that's building not what I said. Up, I'm talking about building up alliances. <laughs> and if your question is about experience, let's also talk about judgment. One of the foreign leaders you mentioned meeting was Bashar al-Assad. I have, in my experience, such as it is, whether you think it counts or not, since it wasn't accumulated in Washington, enough judgment that I would not have sat down with a murderous dictator like that. Congresswoman Gabbard, let me allow you to respond. Thank you. You were asked directly whether you would send our troops to Mexico to fight cartels, and your answer was yes. The fact checkers can check this out. But your point about judgment is absolutely correct. Our commander-in-chief does need to have good judgment. And what you've just pointed out is that you would lack the courage to meet with both adversaries and friends to ensure the peace and national security of our nation. I take the example of those leaders who have come before us, leaders like JFK, who met with Khrushchev, like Roosevelt, who met with Stalin, like Donald like Trump, Reagan, who met with Kim. Who met- 
like Reagan, who met and worked with Gorbachev. These issues of national security are incredibly important. I will meet with and do what is necessary to make sure that no more of our brothers and sisters in uniform are needlessly sent into harm's way fighting regime change wars that undermine our national security. I'll bring real leadership and experience to the White House. So, so let me say this. I would ask Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard this. Well, what the fuck came out of your meeting with Bashar al-Assad? What benefit did the world see from you sitting down with a man who gasses his own people? Who perpetrates chemical attacks on women and children and babies? What benefit, what benefit came from the courage that you had to sit down with an enemy of the United States and the world, not to mention his own people? And I know there's a lot of angst out there about, about uh, Mayor Pete. And it bums me out that there's been a kind of a role reversal relative to his progressive policies that used to be and now he's kind of appealing to the middle or trying to that is a bummer he's not a perfect candidate but to impugn or to call into question his his courage a guy who was on the front lines a guy who was in combat just like you were tulsi shut the fuck up i Okay. I also want to give a shout out. Okay. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. There you go. So Pete Buttigieg was featured on uh, The Daily. They're doing a Meet the Candidates thing i don't know when it comes out they did pete Buttigieg. i don't know if they've done other people hmm. but they I'll have to check that out yeah they interviewed him and went into his background and it was really powerful to hear him talk about how he came to a realization that he was going to go serve and that he could die and never have had the experience of being in love and that that was really what caused him to come out and pursue a relationship and not hide that part of himself. And it was a really powerful discussion, especially for religious zealots and conservative goofballs who try to make the issue of gay rights about sex. Yeah. And the ways that they try to malign it in that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was just a powerful story yeah. uh, about finding love and, and missing out on that very rich and important part of life. It, it is, it, it bothers me and I'm going to, I'm going to take up for mayor Pete because he is getting it from the right, of course, because he's gay and he's a Democrat, but he's also getting it from the far left. A tweet was was pushed into my Twitter feed because someone I follow liked it. And it was, uh, who's the kid from the Young Turks who was one of my uh, colleagues and shitting on Tommy Lahren? Not the Scottish guy, but the, the other one. I don't know. The... Anyway, the, the, the other one, the, 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 the dark-haired guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, Hassan. Hassan Piker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's his name. Yeah. Um, 
And he did like a little video thing. It was on Twitter. And he's like, why Mayor Pete, blah, blah, blah. And he's like doing a dumb little dance. And he gets up from his gaming chair in his bedroom. And he's and Well, he's was like, it a play on the Panic at the Disco dance meme that I they're trying to? Maybe. I okay. don't know what that is. But he's like shaking his hands to the side. And, yeah. and like things are coming up. Like words are coming up at, by his hands as he's doing. And one of the things that he, when he moves his hands to the side were, went to Afghanistan for the resume. Hmm. It's, you know what, dude, up there in Silver Lake or whatever trendy L.A. neighborhood that you're in, having never faced down an enemy, never been in combat, never been in the position to have to worry about the things that Mayor Pete worried about, to call into question his service, to say that he did it for the resume, he risked his life for the resume... Get the fuck out of here. I will also say that actually Michael Barbro, the host of The Daily, asks him directly if he believes that he served just to put it on his resume. He doesn't. I don't know how he phrases it. He does it very artfully because Pete Buttigieg his whole life has had the aspiration of running for public office. Yeah, like a lot of ding-dongs do. And Pete Buttigieg handled it very well. And even Michael Barbo commented that he he got the impression as he was sitting with him that it was a very candid answer. And Pete Buttigieg is pretty practiced and he's well-spoken, so he, he may have rehearsed the answer before. But I got kind of a candid impression too because he essentially said, listen, I can't really tell you what went into the calculus. Who knows? I'm sure that somewhere down the line that played a role. Sure. Yeah. But these are the other things that went into making that decision. You know? Well, he, here's here what my thing would be. Yeah. Is if you didn't serve, if you wouldn't want me to call you a fucking physical coward because you didn't, then shut the fuck up about whether or not he did it for his resume. If you didn't have ulterior motives for not serving your country in uniform, then don't put that on him. And, you know, I'm not I'm not voting for Mayor Pete. But it's just not fair to this guy. Yeah, there are legitimate things to criticize. Mm -hmm. For instance, his shift to the center. Criticize that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so Tulsi Gabbard and Kamala Harris also went at it. You have criticized Hillary Clinton as the, quote, personification of the rot that has sickened the Democratic Party. What is the rot you see in the Democratic Party? That our Democratic Party, unfortunately, is not the party that is of, by, and for the people. It's a, it is a party that has been and continues to be influenced by the foreign policy establishment in Washington, represented by Hillary Clinton and others' foreign policy, by the military-industrial complex and other greedy corporate interests. I'm running for president to be the Democratic nominee that rebuilds our Democratic Party, takes it out of their hands, and truly puts it in the hands of the people of this country, a party that actually hears the voices of Americans who are struggling all across this country, and puts it in the hands of veterans and fellow Americans who are calling for an end to this ongoing Bush-Clinton-Trump foreign policy doctrine of regime change wars, overthrowing dictators and other countries, needlessly sending my brothers and sisters in uniform into harm's way to fight in wars that actually undermine our national security.
security and have cost us thousands of American lives. These are wars that have cost us as American taxpayers trillions of dollars since 9-11 alone, dollars that have come out of our pockets, out of our hospitals, out of our schools, out of our infrastructure needs. As president, I will end this foreign policy, end these regime change wars, work to end this new Cold War and arms race, and instead invest our hard-earned taxpayer dollars actually into serving the needs of the American people Thank you, right here Foreman. at home. Senator Harris, any response? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that um, it, it's unfortunate that we have someone on the stage who is attempting to be the Democratic nominee for President of the United States, who during the Obama administration spent four years full-time on Fox News criticizing President Obama. That's who ridiculous, has spent full-time, That's ridiculous. Who has spent full-time criticizing people on this stage as affiliated with the Democratic Party. When Donald Trump was elected, not even sworn in, buddied up to Steve Bannon to get a meeting with Donald Trump in the Trump Tower, fails to call a war criminal by what he is as a war criminal, and then spends full time during the course of this campaign, again, criticizing the Democratic Party. What we need on the stage on, in the November is someone who has the ability to win. And by that, we need someone on that stage who has the ability to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Donald Trump and someone who has the ability to rebuild the Obama coalition and bring the party and the nation together. I believe I am that candidate. Thank you, Senator. Um, Congress, yes. Congresswoman Gabbard, I'll give you a chance what, to respond. What Senator Harris is doing is unfortunately continuing to traffic in lies and smears and innuendos because she cannot challenge the substance of the argument that I'm making, the leadership and the change that I'm seeking to bring in our foreign policy, which only makes me guess that she will, as president, continue the status quo, continue the Bush-Clinton-Trump foreign policy of regime change wars, which is... is deeply destructive. This is personal to me because I served in Iraq. I left my seat in the state legislature in Hawaii, volunteered to deploy to Iraq, where I served in a medical unit where every single day I saw the terribly high human cost of war. I take very seriously the responsibility that the president has to serve as commander-in-chief, to lead our armed forces, and to make sure always, no, I'm not going to put party interests first. I will put the Thank interests you. of the American Thank you, people Congresswoman. I want to briefly give Senator Harris a final second to respond. I believe that uh, what our nation needs right now is a nominee who can speak to all people. I spent my entire career standing mostly in a courtroom speaking five words, Kamala Harris for the people. And it was about all the people, regardless of their race, regardless of their gender, regardless of where they live geographically, regardless of the party with which they're registered to vote or the language their grandmother speaks. We need someone on this debate stage in November who has the ability to unify the country and to win the election. And I believe, again, I am that candidate. You are not that candidate. <laughs> And if you believe that she stood in a courtroom for five years and really believed, <laughs> I am Kamala Harris for the people, mm. then why don't you Google Kamala Harris, Kevin Cooper? Among other things. but uh, Among other things. But, yeah. but let me go to, to, listen, for her to act like she is some stalwart Democrat and push back against these claims that she's been on Fox News, 
I don't have to go back to the Obama administration. She's been on Tucker Carlson's show two times in the last 30 days. On Hannity's show once in the last 30 days to trash the impeachment proceeding. She begged Steve Bannon for a meeting with Donald Trump, president-elect, to try to get a meeting with him. And then she met with him. Come on. She doesn't have the Democratic Party interest at heart. And by virtue of that in many ways, doesn't have the interest of the United States of America. She is looking for what the next thing is for herself. She was looking for a cabinet position with Donald Trump is what she was doing. When you're seeking a position with Donald Trump and then you purport to run against him, this is the political calculus here that she's making. Yeah, I agreed with uh, most of what Kamala Harris said there, especially as it relates to Tulsi Gabbard specifically. Just not what it, where it relates to herself. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought it was a really great moment. I I think that you wish that they would just stop referring to her or talking to her at well, all. Well, it's a little hypocritical since we just spent however many minutes rambling on about how much she gets on my fucking nerves. Right, but... But it needs to be answered. Also because, and remember, if you go back and you look at the states of Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, right? Those are the states you're always talking about, right? That's right. Uh, and the votes that were stolen... Not stolen, but that went for Jill Stein, They got for example. siphoned off to another independent candidate. Right. It's concerning because Tulsi Gabbard has the same kind of fan base, similar to yeah. a Jill Stein type candidate. So it is concerning that she could, using all this airtime, ratcheting up the conspiracy talk, getting people excited and upset about what's going on in the Democratic Party... And then pull those votes away from whoever the Democratic nominee is. Also ask yourself this. If you're out there and you're seething with rage and fury and anger right now at me yelling about Tulsi Gabbard, if you're a fan of hers. Why is it that David Duke, the former Grand Wizard of the KKK, unironically but, but supportively has a photo and a quote of Tulsi Gabbard as his... Uh, Cover photo on Twitter. That would be concerning if he had a photo and was supporting the candidacy of Joe Biden or Mayor Pete, would would it not? Or Bernie Sanders. That would be a fucking problem. So why is it not a problem for all of these Democrats, all of these white people, all of these non-racists, quote-unquote, That David Duke features her on his Twitter. Come on. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. I apologize for the rage. Eh, only mildly. Mm-hmm. Only mildly. Well, we had some interesting news that broke today related to the impeachment inquiry. And I think it is important to talk about. We've been talking about this fairly often because, remember, everyone, <laughs> the whole issue is the withholding of the military aid from Ukraine. That's right. 
And Jesse, you have talked about this many times. And in fact, you were very frustrated that the Democrats did not highlight the point enough that... Oh, the timeline. The timeline. Yeah, yeah. Right. Do you want to break it down for us? Well, which thing? Because there's multiple elements when to the timeline. When the White House learned about the whistleblower complaint. Yeah. Well, well, now we're, we're finding out... Two, now we have certainty. Yeah. Now we know it was two weeks before right. they released the aid, which was on September 11th. But do your, your preemptive rage that you you've been talking about don't act like you don't even know about this new reporting just talk about what your rage was about them not talking about the, the time well that the republicans over and over and over during the impeachment inquiry hearings kept saying yeah well the the, the aid got released it doesn't matter they were only vetting the the legitimacy of the of the anti-corruption um presidency of Zelensky. that's what they were doing which doesn't matter because it was against the law. The, the money was appropriated. It needed to go out. And it bothers me that Democrats didn't say, yeah, 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 you're right. It was ultimately released. But let's look at the timeline. That needed to be said every time as a counter. Yes, it was released, but only after they found out that there was a whistleblower complaint and the press was going to find out and Congress was going to find out. Then they scrambled and released it. And now we know, based on reporting from Michael Schmidt, Julian Barnes, and Maggie Haberman, that President Trump had already been briefed on the whistleblower's complaint about his dealings with Ukraine when he unfroze the military aid for the country in September. And this is according to two people familiar with the matter. Quote, lawyers from the White House counsel's office told Mr. Trump in late August about the complaint, explaining that they were trying to determine whether they were legally required to give it to Congress, the people said. The other thing that I think the timeline needs to be established, and I don't remember if I mentioned it, and if I did, I fucking apologize last episode. But the whole emo track of tell Zelensky to do the right thing. No quid pro quo. I don't want anything. I just want him to do the right thing. That was also after the whistleblower complaint. And so Donald Trump wants it on the record. Oh, shit, this is going to come out. Oh, no, no. Tell him to do the right thing. I don't want anything. I want nothing. I want nothing. That was only after. That's, that was said only after he knew he was in trouble. You don't get to cover your ass. And have it count. You need to do the right thing when no one's fucking looking, Donald Trump. Yeah. And let's let's take this reporting a little bit further. Quote, the revelation could shed light on Mr. Trump's thinking at two critical points under scrutiny in the impeachment investigations. One, his decision in early September to release $391 million in security assistance to Ukraine and his denial to a key ambassador around the same time that there was a, quote, quid pro quo with Kiev. Mr. Trump used the phrase before it had entered the public lexicon in the Ukraine affair. Yes. So, uh, all right. (laughs) We're just reporting on the news here. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to rant. Yeah. Not going to do it. (laughs) That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. The other thing related to idiots related to Donald Trump is Rudy Giuliani who was on with Ed Henry from Fox News, who I used to have a lot of respect for, by the way, who's turned into a complete Trump moron, Fox News idiot, interviewing Rudy. 
nodding along. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, yep. Yep. As Rudy says, no, all of this is nonsense that Donald Trump is going to throw me under the bus. And even if he does, I have an insurance policy. I got some dirt on him. To President Trump in the last week or two, have you met with him? Or are you still his I counsel? I don't discuss. I do not discuss my conversations with my client. You can assume that I talk to him early and often. Yeah. And have a very, very good relationship with him. And all of these comments, which are totally insulting. Yeah. I mean, I've seen I've seen things written like he's going to throw me under the bus. Right. When they say that, I say he isn't. But I have insurance. This is a fucking uh, soap opera we're living in. Yeah, it's an episode of The Sopranos. This is the former mayor. This is the former federal prosecutor for the Southern District of New York. The former mayor of New York City. America's mayor. Now the personal lawyer of the president of the United States saying, nah, he's not going to throw me under the bus, but if he does, I got dirt on that fucker. That's why he won't. And he's not kidding. He's he's since walked it back several times, but he's also said this prior. And the reason this is a problem, or at least questionable, is because he's floating this out there so all the media jumps on it and talks about it so it gets into the ear of Donald Trump. This yeah. is a, a low-key threat. Well, and that's what's so disappointing about the response of the inter- interviewer, which is to awkwardly giggle and move on. Yeah. You maintain your composure, awkward guy, and you say, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't fully catch that. What are you talking about with insurance? Yeah. And even if he's going to laugh it off and say he's just joking or ha ha ha, whatever, you at least want to ask that follow up question to get something on the record about what the hell he means. Because like you said, he has said it before. This was an article from The Guardian, November 14th. He was on a phone call. And he joked to the reporter that he had insurance, just like he did here. And his lawyer actually interrupted. He was also on the call and said, he's just joking. Yeah. Referring to Rudy Giuliani. So his his lawyer jumps in and like, oh, he's just kidding. This is a joke. Yeah. <laughs> well, l- l- imagine that you have a lawyer who is representing you in matters of the of historic importance. And said counsel is cracking jokes about how you're fucking guilty. And if you try to turn them in or roll over on them, they're going to they're gonna spring this information and make a problem for you. Imagine a lawyer who would do that. Lawyers don't make jokes on national television in the course of representing their clients They don't make jokes about the guilt of their client. I I just, this is fucking bizarro nutter butter land. And that's that. (laughs) (laughs) What else can be said? Well, I think we have an asshole of today to get to. We do. Should we do that? We should. It's the asshole of today. Franklin Graham. Franklin Graham, son of venerated uh, televangelist uh, Billy Graham. He, it can't be his first time 
in the segment. No fucking way. No way. So we don't know how many times, but it, this is obviously a reappearance. So he is a prominent Trump defender at all costs. Uh, to say the least. Yeah. Anytime something comes up, he is just right there to support Donald Trump and defend him against any attack or mild criticism. Factual <laughs> criticism. And this time, he has some interesting descriptors for those who oppose Donald Trump. And so what do you think of, of what is happening now? I mean, it's a very bizarre uh, situation to be living in a country where some people seem to exist uh, to, to undermine the president of the United States. Um, it, it's, just a, it's just a bizarre time for most Americans. Well, I, I believe uh, it's almost a demonic power that is trying I, I would disagree it's not almost demonic no it's, I mean you know you know and I know that at the heart it's a spiritual battle it, it's a spiritual battle and if you look at what the president has done just just for our country regardless of whether you're a Republican or a Democrat uh, we have the unemployment is at the lowest in 70 years more African Americans are working more Latinos are working more Asians are working more everybody is working we have a an economy that is uh, just uh, screaming forward. It's its incredible. Can, can you even imagine we're saying this? Because literally three years ago, our economy was dead yep. in the water. Dead <laughs> in the water. We all know it. And three years later, you just said it's screaming forward. That's a fact. It's, I mean, that's not fact. our opinion, right? Not and, a and fact. Here's what that does Fucking for, idiot. For, for churches, for Christians. Um, that means more people are working, so there's more people tithing and giving to the churches. Uh, there's more money for missions. There's more uh, money for your building programs. Uh, all of this is because Donald Trump said he was going to turn things around and make America great again. He cut taxes, and that cutting taxes added fuel to this economic engine that we're enjoying right now. He's, he's not a politician. I appreciate that about him. He's a businessman, and that's what we've needed in our government, not politicians. We need businessmen, and he's done that. This is fucking absurd. Well, the only thing that I can think about is the people watching this and... Yeah, because it's like on YouTube or something, like a show. Well, I'm not talking about how there's no audience for it. I'm talking about the audience that there is for it, eating it up. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. I mean, this was broadcast. This was... I, what I'm trying to say is this was video. It's not like a radio show. Yeah. Yeah. And adopting these beliefs because they sound good and they fit with your worldview and just regurgitating them whenever you have a moment. I have never heard a, a, a Christian man, a, a, a man of God, a man of the cloth, tie uh, political action like tax cuts to increased tithing. Th that's a first for me. I, I don't know about anybody else out there, but that's the first time I've ever heard that. That this is good for America. This is good for the church, this is good for Christianity because more people are working, therefore more people are tithing. So more monies get flowing into churches. That's new for me. The other thing is using Christianese, using, oh, you know, this is a spiritual battle, which is comes from like a, a scripture like Ephesians. You know, we, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and forces of darkness or some scary thing that I was told and taught as a child, as a kid, that if we could look into the spirit world, and I'm not, I'm not teasing right now. This is what I was taught. 
that you could if you had the ability to look into the spirit dimension you would see angels and demons fighting all around you in true warfare and battle and it's gruesome and it's real and it's physical just in another realm hmm. So they're drawing on this biblical passage, this idea of evangelical Christians, of a literal battle between angels and demons. And then he's using the word demonic to describe opposition to Donald Trump, the alleged rapist, the undoubtedly white supremacist president. Mm -hmm. Come on. Yeah, I I don't know why you're acting like that's such a surprising thing that you were taught. I remember reading something similar in uh, one of my science classes in school. I thought you were going to say Harry Potter. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very scientific. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you hear it on Fox News all the time. Yeah. Shocking yeah. that that wasn't a Fox News interview, actually. Yeah, it's just... I don't know. It just it, it's exhausting hearing all this stuff about two Corinthians. You know, I I just <laughs> and he I, he wouldn't say his favorite Bible verse. He wouldn't even say his favorite testament of the Bible because he doesn't even know what that means. Yes, he wouldn't even be able to name one <laughs> but, old and new. <laughs> and then Rick Perry yesterday, or whenever he said it the other day, yeah, that yeah. Donald Trump is the chosen one, right? Mm-hmm. That God puts flawed people out there all the time, everybody. Yeah, imperfect people. King David. He's yeah. comparing Old Testament prophets uh-huh. and kings to Donald goddamn Trump. Yeah. The man who promised to show his taxes and then lied and didn't do it. The man who promised he was going to self-fund his campaign and then lied and didn't do it. He's a fucking liar who makes me angry, apparently. Yeah. A lot. Well, I think we want to end on a more positive note. So we also have a taking care of biz for you. Taking care of biz. Kids. 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 Boo- booing ones. Booing kids. Booing kids. Uh, these kids booed Melania Trump when she came to visit to give a speech as a part of her Be Best initiative. <laughs> Be Best. President Trump is preparing for the annual White House tradition of pardoning a pair of turkeys. This year's birds are named appropriately bread and butter. CNN's Kate Bennett is uh, there for us. And Kate, while we wait for the uh, action, so to speak, um, let me let me just ask you about First Lady Melania Trump. She was in Baltimore today attending this youth opioid summit, and she didn't have the most favorable reception. And it just got me thinking, you've been covering her since the get. Ha- has she ever been booed publicly before? No, Brooke, to my knowledge and all the events I've gone to, and I've, of course, the First Lady has given these um, opioid awareness speeches a number of times, maybe 10 to 15 times across the country, always well-received. She's never faced anything like she faced today with really an abundance of booing um, and negativity. There was talking throughout her speech. I think we've got a little bit of sound to listen to just exactly what happened with Melania Trump today in Baltimore. Thank you to DEA. 
safe. May God bless you, your families, and United States of America. Thank you. Thank you. So Melania Trump was very obviously uncomfortable. When you watch the video, you can tell. It's similar to when Donald Trump got booed at whatever sports game that was. How dare you? It's the <laughs> it's the national pastime. It was the uh, World Series. I almost couldn't think of it. Oh, was it? <laughs> it was the World Series. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, the World at Series. the Nationals in D.C. Yeah, perfect. And really important stuff. So... <laughs> <laughs> no one said it was fucking important. Just just like you could tell Donald Trump was uncomfortable when he was being yeah. booed by the audience. She feels the same way. And of course, it's a human reaction. You're being rejected by a large oh, group of people. Yeah. That's got to hurt. Especially where everywhere you go, like fucking MAGA rallies. Yeah. They're just, they just can't get enough of you. They're trying to breathe in your fucking essence. Yeah. Yeah. And then to be rejected by kids is also really a bummer because kids... They don't often reject and and boo people, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, not everybody is surrounded by Donald Trump, baby. Delta passengers. I mean, young kids are gonna generally try to give someone the benefit of the doubt at first, right? They might be they're 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 probably gonna take a no. default position of being disinterested, but they're not gonna go so far as to boo somebody. I, I think I think th- normally that's right. Like if you have a, a Shakespeare troupe come through for an assembly and do some impromptu, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. Maybe. Maybe De- default disinterest. But 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 when the president of the United States has called your city a fucking shithole or a rat infested whatever, he was talking about Baltimore. They were in Baltimore. They fucking don't like these people, and they have good reason not to. Of course, absolutely. I'm not yelling at you because I'm trying to tell you. I'm just into the ether. Yeah, into the ether. Well, I happen to be here. You are here. Popeye seems a little alarmed. I accidentally, um, I kept touching him with my feet under the table because he lays right at our feet. Yeah. And I kept kind of nudging him with my feet on accident. So he finally moved away from me. He got sick of it. (laughs) Not a cuddler, the Popeye. Not a cuddler. Nope. Kind of disinterest. More, I would say it's not even disinterest in cuddling. It's contempt. It, it, it is a contemptuous opposition. Yep. That 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 is, I think, accurate. Yep. All right. Well, now that you have the information, more importantly, <laughs> that about Popeye is probably really want to send you off into Thanksgiving with uh, a lot of ammunition for your family arguments. For sure. Yeah. Just bring up the Popeye stuff. Yeah. That'll just should squelch everything. <laughs> So listen, we are, we're releasing this now. We're going to be releasing the Thanksgiving episode on Thanksgiving. It will be family friendly. Feel free to put it on and indoctrinate your family members as you cook or as you sit around and, and how share. Much, how much indoctrination? Prob- indoctrination with happiness yeah, and there's joy. Not be, there's not going to be a bunch of Trump stuff. There's going to be no Trump stuff. Yeah, we don't talk about politics. It's Trump free. It is, it is just good news and happy stories. Um, and then, of course, the listener submissions that we have received. Yeah, which are um, fantastic. Yeah, Thank some, you so much for sending some them Some great in. ones. I started putting it together today. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, the, it's the gem of the episode, I think. So yeah. I would encourage you to check it out. I know it's not a normal episode, but people do get a lot of value out of it. And I don't know why I feel the need to promote it right now. So <laughs> we love you guys. We thank you for joining us. Listen. If you're thinking about supporting the show, 
There are many ways other than by listening. You can go to Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes. You can rate and review the show there. I think you can even rate and review the show on Stitcher. Every podcast platform needs an ability to rate and review. Because how are people going to know? Exactly. What the listeners think. Yes. About the show. Get it. This fake earnestness is just hurting my throat right now. (laughs) But the other way is Patreon. We would invite you to consider if you are in a financial position to do so. We're not going to go through the whole thing we did during the mid-roll. But if you are in a financial position to help us out, to support the show, even a little bit, $2 a month goes a very long way if we are able to marshal the size of our audience. Thank you all for your loyalty, your love, your support, and most importantly, your listenership. We'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We will see you on Thanksgiving. Thank you very much for joining us. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been... I doubt. What a dick. Um, Me or Jeff Bezos? Anyone. Just choose one of those options. <laughs>